Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. It seems kind of strange being back in the studio. I haven't been in here for, uh, gosh, I think three or four weeks. We were on remote, and then Ronnie Castiglione. Thanks to Ronnie for filling in for me last week while I was on assignment in Minnesota. You might check our Facebook page for some of the fish we caught while we were up there at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And uh, you should follow us on Facebook anyway because we post a lot of information there. Um, we post answers to trivia questions when we do giveaway contests on the Facebook page. We post my column from the Denver Poster every week. Every time we add a new television show to our YouTube channel, we post that. We post upcoming events here and remotes and things like that. So it's it's always good to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because we kind of use that as the centerpiece of both the, the radio and my column for the Denver Post. We got a lot to cover today. We're going to get you some fishing updates. We're going to introduce you to some new park areas and some old ones that we've visited many times before. And we're going to get a fly fishing report from Ark Anglers in the second hour down from the Arkansas. And from what I understand, it is fishing fantastic and it looks like mid-June conditions. So that might be something for uh, you to stay tuned if you're looking for a place to go fly fishing. Let's go to the phones right now, though, and joining us to talk about fishing right here in this area, and he's uh, always a, a great contributor to the show, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You know, it's uh, I, I've, been, I've been out of state quite a bit, and I'm catching up with what's going on and talking to people and checking my sources and trying to get out a little bit myself. And the runoff seems to have already subsided. Um, we had this late, cold winter, and then all of a sudden it got super hot, and it's like we had this very short spring, and it almost seems to me like we're fishing more like mid-June conditions than we are early June conditions. Yeah, it's really interesting, and that all depends upon the lake that you're on. You know, for instance, Cherry Creek, we've been catching a lot of fish out there uh, for a, a good number of weeks now, but we're just now starting to see these fish really pile up. These fish have been really scattered out there, but then you head out to the northeast, places like Sterling and Jumbo, and those particular fisheries are having fish pile up a lot earlier than you would normally see. No, you're absolutely right, and I know you're really high on those lakes. We've talked a lot over the last few uh, weeks about the lakes out in the southeastern part of Colorado. We've talked about John Martin, and we've talked about those lakes down in that area, and the fishing is phenomenal, but boy, I tell you what, when you look at Colorado and the layers of different warm water, cold water, cool water fishing we have available through the different areas of the state, that northeast uh, area doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. Not at all, and especially with uh, where we've had this high water for the last number of years, Parks and Wildlife has done an absolutely fantastic job getting those fisheries back up and running from some of the fish kills that we saw, you know, a decade or so ago. But places like North Sterling, Jumbo, Jackson, and even places like Pruitt are awesome. We've been focusing on Pruitt quite a bit on the weekends, um, just on some, some personal days. And it's all 10 horsepower and under-restricted out there. So it's fantastic if you want to get out and have a, a fantastic fishery and not have to worry about some of the, the boaters. Now, 10 horsepower and under, I want to ask you this because we're going to have Bar Lake on later. And I can still put my big boat on bar lake if i have a kicker or an electron electric trolling motor i can still run it is that the same case at pruitt 
same case out there, absolutely. So, now, you know, you're able to put your big boats on with your kicker motor and still have access to, to get around the lake, uh, you know, with a gas-powered motor and not have to, to burn your batteries. Yeah, and if you don't have a kicker motor, is Pruitt can get a little windy. Would you suggest not going out with just an electric? You know, if you're going to do that, definitely stay in and around the boat ramp area. That lake's a fairly large body of water, uh, a lot bigger than, than what you would think, and you get to that other side and you have a lot of wind and you're stuck with just an electric, you could be in, in some trouble. So it's definitely hovering around the boat ramp area would be my suggestion. Well, you know, another thing with these uh, 10 horsepower and under and wakeless smaller lakes and stuff we have, great places to kayak too and fish. They really are, yeah. Kayaks, float tubes especially as well. You know, it's very accessible and you don't have to worry about big boat wakes running around like on a, a day like today. I'm sure there's a, a lot of boats out on lakes like Cherry Creek and Chatfield. And you go out there to Pruitt, and you have, you know, a few boats here and there, but it's all wakeless, and the fishing is absolutely fantastic. So you can really focus on fishing and not have to focus on dodging boats and dodging wakes. We're talking to Austin Parr from Discount Tackle down on Santa Fe. He's also a local guide who is very familiar with a lot of our waters. Austin, so tell me about the fishing in those eastern lakes. What kind of success are you having? What species? What's going on? So these lakes out there, they used to have a lot of wipers in them, but have since shifted over to a, a fantastic walleye and salmon population in all of them, as well as a lot of crappies. And those lakes out there, a lot of them uh, you know, were, were dam- dammed up depressions. So you can fish in areas uh, more similar to like where you'd fish up in Minnesota or something, where you're fishing along the edges of shoreline structure and really watching your wind. You know, when we're out on Cherry Creek and Chatfield, there's obviously a lot of old gravel pits and drop-offs that you can utilize your electronics to find. But we were up in Sterling this past week, and we're struggling to find some fish. Wind really picked up, pushed all those fish up against the shoreline, and it turned out to be fantastic. And that so, was saw guys and walleyes? Saw guys and walleyes, exactly. And the cool part about it this time of year is you can really fish those fish, you know, however your strengths really are. So if you want to go and, and you want to cast or, or pull around some bait, the fish will bite that. We personally had a ton of success throwing paddle tail swim baits like a ripple shad and a lot of times in a little bit brighter colors, like some of those pink shine kind of colors have been really good out there. But we also have caught fish on gulp minnows, um, even more of your, your glide baits like Johnny Daughters as well. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And you you love those glide minnows, those t- types of baits. I know you fish them year-round. You know, and about 10 years ago, the pros started really scoring with those, and they tried to keep it under their hat. But I think it's a pretty well-known secret, and almost every manufacturer now is making some of those. And when you find fish on structure, it's a tremendous way to fish. You know, I want to touch on a point. You talked about a lot of the eastern reservoirs being more walleye saw guy crappie based and some of that was intentional when we had trouble getting uh, eggs for wipers for a while they didn't stock those as heavily with wipers and they found the crappie population kind of blossomed and because of that they've been more marginally stocking now they're still going to put some wipers in some of those lakes and certainly the southeast lakes are stocking a lot of wipers so we're still going to have wipers in the state but they found the popularity of the crappies too and so they're trying to manage those lakes more of a walleye crappie lake with some wipers than the other way around definitely and with some of the high water that we've been having you know including this year sterling is 100 percent full out there there is just so much cover out there and so, you know, uh, a number of years back when we had that big drought in Fiskew out there in Sterling, the state uh, had a really nice effort to go and reseed that entire lake. 
So we have all kinds of beautiful aquatic vegetation along with trees in the water. And those panfish really get up in those trees. And then the other thing to think about is, you know, when you have all your small fish in those trees, just like up at a place like Glendo, the walleyes follow them. So if you're not seeing those walleyes out on uh, main points or structure areas, head on up into the trees, put on a swim bait, and roll it around the cover. And you can a lot of times catch a lot of your game fish species along with the panfish. Now, you know, another thing I used to up sterling, and we're getting to about to the time of the year I would do it, is a lot of catfish spawning up there. And those river channels, you can go out, and I don't know, I haven't fished, done this for years, and I may have changed as the fishery has changed. But we used to go up in those river channels and just throw, you know, a couple rods each out with cut bait into the shallow weeds of those river channels with... Um, with, you know, like 30-pound braid or 40-pound braid on big on casting reels, and we would catch just numbers of catfish. Yeah, you know, I've, I haven't personally done that a whole lot, but in looking at some of the fishery surveys, there are still a lot of catfish in that lake. And, you know, talking about those river channels out there, especially in your, your main inlet canal, uh, you know, you have that, that change of water color in there along with those weeds, and those catfish will sit in areas like that, you know, almost at the structure point as they're up there spawning. And I mean, I'm, I have heard of a lot of good success with guys having having some not only numbers of catfish, but some really nice sized catfish as well. You know, one of the other lakes out there I want to touch on that people struggle to fish, but yet it's a great fishery, but that's Jackson. And I don't know how yep. much you've fished it. I haven't fished it a lot recently. I have in the past. It's a, you know, it's got a river run through it. It's got good flow through it, but it's shallow, a lot of sandy beaches, and it's yep. kind of bowl shaped, not as much structure. How do you guys approach Jackson Lake? You know, it's got a great walleye population walleyes in there and you know guys that are used to fishing on the front range you're used to lakes like chatfield and cherry creek where you have these big huge structure points nice drop-offs and these walleyes pile up all over on these specific structure points and up there in, in uh, places like jackson you know i once again will be utilizing the wind as my structure point a lot and along the edges of your weed lines instead of drop-offs so the first thing i like to do this time of year is pick a, a technique that i can cover some water with so whether it be towing around a bottom bouncer or getting up on the front of my boat and throwing a, a pretty fast-paced uh, bait like a jigging wrap or one of those Johnny Daughters, you can really find the locations of these fish, and they'll spread out quite a bit. And once you find the general area of those fish, you can stop, slow down a little bit, throw things like goat minnows or, or swim baits and have a lot of success. But you're just not they, – they don't pile up quite as heavy unless you have that big heavy wind that pushes along your shoreline. So you're just looking for fish on the sandy sandy edges rather than your main drop-off. Now, how deep? I mean, it's not a very shallow no, – it's not a very deep lake. So are you fishing too shallow to get up with a boat and fish below the boat? No, no. I mean, and in, in, so talking about that same thing, I'll catch fish in a shallow six feet of water out there. And many times when you go up that shallow, you won't mark fish on your main sonar if, it's, if your outboard's down and your sonar's on the back of your boat. But once you kind of stop and slow down a little bit, you'll start having fish. It'll come in and around your boat again, and I'll have my front graph down. And you can vertically dig those fish, but then certainly obviously cast into them as well is, is highly productive. That's one of the techniques I love, and we were doing a lot of that back in Minnesota where we were casting. Well, I would use probably a jig and a gulp minnow. We were using a jig and a gulp minnow and a jig and a minnow or a jig and a half, a nightcrawler even. And we were just, we'd get up in eight, nine feet of water and just fan cast around the boat when we knew there were fish and cover it with a jig and let the boat maybe drift or have the electric motor just slowly moving us along. And with today's electric motors, when you can use the, you know, all the, the GPS guiding and the spot lock, especially. I love spot lock. It's so nice. It's a guide's best friend, especially. But going out there anytime, it is one of the best techniques. And I always joke around with my clients that you can 
catch fish out of a bathtub if you have the right electronics with the right sonar and trolling motor on the front of it. Well, I'll tell you what, the mapping and the electronics and the trolling motor, people that don't don't realize that don't, you know, that how much they've changed over the last several years. And I need to even upgrade, and I've got some pretty high-end stuff, and I haven't changed it for a few years, and it can make all the difference in the world. Before we let you go, what else are you hearing besides the Northeast? Any hot bites going on, any places? You know, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Where should people be headed? So, I mean, if you want to go fight the crowds close, Cherry Creek's fishing as hot as you can possibly get right now. I mean, we're having those 70 to 100 fish days right now. It is absolutely on fire. Um, but then also, I have been hearing that the, the lake trout bite up at Williams Fork is starting to really pick up quite a ways. Um, so guys have been having some good success on, on not only a, a, some numbers of lake trout, but also some, some pretty decent ones. And then you touched on that southeast Colorado area. A gentleman came in and had some fantastic success down on Adobe Creek. Uh, said that the, the boat ramp was a little sketchy to get his big boat on, but had some awesome, awesome saw guy pictures. Uh, fish up over 25 inches, actually. Um, so that's also fishing well down there. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing you and I, 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 I don't know if you agree with me or not, but we've come through several years of high water. And you mentioned, you alluded to it earlier, and I always talk about this. When you get those several years of high water, you start to get a spawn from crappies, bluegills, yellow perch, and um, the large and the largemouth bass, especially. And yeah. those those fish tend to cycle in our eastern reservoirs. And when you come off several years of high water like we've had, those fish all thrive. And we might be headed to a lower water period. Now, if the end of this year and next year are low water, it'll probably still be good fishing, but it'll concentrate them. We may be in the peak for those people that love to chase warm water species right now, don't you think? I completely agree, and this is your time right now to head on out to those eastern lakes. You know, I mean, if you want to have good success and catch a lot of fish right now in, in areas out in eastern Colorado this year, you got to do it. And it just depends on how much snow we get next year because we're full right now. But a couple of years of a little bit of drought, which looks like it may be on the horizon here, could certainly diminish those fisheries. And the last thing I have for you, we always get... I always get Facebook messages after we do a report like this that we neglected the shore anglers. So why don't you give me two or three places where somebody who doesn't have a boat might head out this weekend and catch some fish? Well, Sterling is one of my number one locations for it, and that whole eastern and southern side has a lot of really nice points and drop-offs that allow for a shore angler to go and have good success and have some good depth right in front of them. So lots of nice rock bases and structures. You can catch smallmouth and walleyes and crappies and all that kind of good stuff. So that's one of my number one locations. Jumbo out there also is, is, is another good choice. Um, but also, if you want to make a little bit of a longer drive, uh, that John Martin bite down there gives you a shore angler fantastic opportunities along some of those big cliff faces, bubble the same way down there. But walleyes, saw guys, and white bass on those edges with some gulp minnows. Um, you could throw like a little blade bait or even a lipless crank. All of the above could be very, very productive. Austin, if people want more information or they just want to stop and talk to you or book a guide trip, how do they find you? So my phone number is 303-514-5546. But during the guide season, I'm down in the shop all the time in the afternoon. We're just south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right. My friend, thank you. All the great information as always. We will have you on again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. You have a good day. You bet. Austin Parr, always a great resource. He's just a... Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous fishing resource. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company. Smoked salmon, the secret is in the fire.
Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to the phones now, and this lady will brighten up the show just the way the sun brightens up a Saturday morning because she has so much energy and enthusiasm. Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I know you heard Austin talking about some places to fish, and I know you're going to tell us you got some even closer to home than that that we're going to get to. But for people who don't know, there's always people new to the area. Tell them where Bar Lake is located and describe it a little. Of course. So Bar Lake is in Brighton, Colorado. We're on I-76 in Bromley, so we're just 25 minutes east of Denver. So we're a quick day trip. Um, if you want to come out and do a lot of different things that we offer. So we have fishing, we have boating, 10 horsepower and under, bring out your canoe, your paddle boat, kayak. We have an archer range. We have a wonderful nature center with lots of exhibits. We have a trail that goes all the way around our lake. It's 8.8 miles. You can hike, bike, or horseback ride. And the whole southern end of our lake is a wildlife refuge. And this year, we were really lucky. We had three eaglets that hatched, and they're about ready to fledge. So they're on the edge of the nest and kind of trying out their wings. So it's a a great time of year, especially today with Free Fishing Weekend, to come out and visit Bar Lake. You know, you're right. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. It's Free Fishing Weekend, so you don't need a fishing license today and tomorrow to fish in Colorado. So this is the we're going to have great weather. Dig out that old fishing rod, head to Bar Lake or somewhere else, and and wet a line. All you get, all it's going to cost you is uh, some bait and uh, and get out there. We'll talk more about the fishing at Bar Lake, too. But you mentioned, first of all, you said for a day trip, it is a day-use facility. It is. We don't have any camping, um, but you can come out and come out for the day. No, and it's absolutely wonderful. And seeing those eaglets about to go, that would be so phenomenal. But you have great picnic areas. We're going to talk more about the fishing here in a minute. And you have some events coming up we want to tell people about that are really fantastic. In fact, let's tell them about that event. What do you have coming up? A concert, I understand? Yeah, so on June 16th, from 7 at night till 10, we have Concert on the Prairie. And what it is is a fundraiser for the Friends of Our Lake. Tickets are $10. Um, and what's even great, the band that's playing is Colorado Southern. And a couple of them are fishermen that come to Bar Lake, so it even makes it even more special because, you know, they, they're tied to the park anyway. But it's a great time to come and sit at our pavilion, enjoy some great music, We'll have some food, and it's all to benefit the Friends of Bar Lake. And they help us with promoting all of our events, um, recreational activities, and educational activities. Now, what are the dates and what is the date and time again? June 16th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. They can come to the Nature Center um, before to get tickets, and it's only $10. And all the proceeds go to help the park to help with all of our events 
and our educational programs. It's fantastic. What a way to spend a beautiful uh, time in Colorado and just out by the water. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit about the fishing. Then I want to get back to some other things you've got going on there. But the fishing itself, you said, has been really good lately. Oh, yeah. So, you know, down by the boat ramp today is super busy. Whether you have a boat or you just want to fish from shore, you know, fishing from shore, they've been catching some bass, some trout. Walleye has been great from boats, so it's just a great time to come out. When you're, you mentioned your 10-horse around her, but you can come out, leave your big engine up if you have one, run a kicker, or run your electric. But what a great place to go kayak fishing or canoe fishing because, because of the 10-horse limit. You don't get the big wakes. And I understand if people don't have their own kayak, you're going to be offering them out there soon. Yeah, so today is the first day that we have rentals from 5280 Paddle Sports. So every Saturday, and then some days during the week, we are going to have canoe, kayak, and stand-up paddleboard rentals. So it all starts today. Um, You can go to our CPW website or 5280sports.com and check out all the times. But it's great. You know, just for like an hour, $20. For two hours, it's $30. So it's a great time to come out and just try one of those things out. And whether you're renting one or bringing your own out, don't you guys even have a kayak course set up? You know, we will um, be putting in our canoe. um, It's like a a, a course that you can go and learn about the park, and that'll be put in probably in the next couple weeks. Okay, so we'll keep tabs on that because I know you did that over the last few years. But it's it's just a fantastic place to go out in Bar Lake. And you also have an event going on tomorrow, I believe, right there, that uh, if people, they may still be able to enter. I know there was, uh, the guys out of Colorado Clays told me they had one or two late cancellations, so there may be an opening. But tell us about that. Yeah, so it's the Cast and Blast, and it's sponsored by Colorado Clays. So what they're going to come do is you have a team. You can either be from the shore or from a boat, and you come out and fish. And then you go out to Colorado Clays and you shoot. And they're going to provide you lunch, and they have some great certificates and great trophies. And it's just a great time to come out and fish and then go out and do some shooting. And you'll find the guys from, like, um, Nate Zielinski comes out and does a team, and so and the guys from Bass Pro come out there. And you see some of the people you hear right on this radio show, you get to fish against them. And I got a tip for everybody. Whether you can fish better than Nate or not, you can outshoot them. So, <laughs> especially with the shotgun, Michelle, we got to let you go, but fantastic as always. What a great place. People just need to get out there. All right. Thanks, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. Thank you. That's Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. Let's go right back to the phones. And one of our favorite people I haven't talked to for a while because I've been on the road from Adventure Camper, Ray Reeves. Good morning, Ray. Hello, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing good, but I got a feeling that this is a busy time of the year for you. It is, yeah, no doubt. Uh, rental season has started, and we're sending out campers every weekend, and uh, we're still got great camper sales involved. So if you're looking to purchase a camper, we've got some uh, late season closeout pricing on a number of them. So yes, it's a very busy time. Now you mentioned that you got great closeout deals because you know the new models come out sooner than people think. It's like cars and boats and things, and you'll start be looking at new inventory. But we talk, we've talked a lot about sales recently over the last few weeks. They have great sales. Now, you, you do towables, just so people know, and you have things you can tow with the smallest SUV up to um, larger ones that maybe takes a bigger vehicle to tow, but that's what you specialize in, but you rent similar vehicles to that. Why don't you tell people a little bit about your rental fleet? 
Uh, yeah, we, we carry all towables. Uh, we do everything from pop-up tent trailers, uh, hard-sided little A-frame trailers, up to uh, four different models of travel trailers, both big and little. Um, and we try to price them so that they're an affordable family vacation for couples and families, and uh, they're very very comfortable. So we've got something for just about everybody, depending on what size of tow vehicle you have and what comfort amenities you like. And, and I know you're a, f- a family-run business. You're kind of t- Tucked away will tell people where they can find you. So you keep your overhead low, you keep your pricing, and you it's important to you for family recreation because you're family-owned business. But we're getting to this busy time of the year now. How far out do I have to book to be able to get a reservation for a rental? Well, you know, honestly, I would say if you're going during this summer, you want to start considering getting reservations made now, especially if you're uh, going through July. July is the busiest month of the season, and it, it actually books up quicker than uh, the rest of June does. Um, so you've still still got plenty of availability to, to get trips done, but it's it's time to start planning and making a phone call and getting a reservation done. Well, if they want to come down and see you or call you, Ray, how do they find you? Uh, on the web, we are at adventurecamper.com. Uh, physically, we are at 14051 East Davies Avenue, and that's near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road down in southeast Denver. Yeah, you're not very far. You're, you're a football's toss from Bronco headquarters. That's just about it. I can look out and see the guys running through the drills today. All right. Ray, thank you so much, as always, and look forward to getting down and seeing you again. Thanks, Terry. It was fun last weekend. You bet. Ray from uh, Adventure Camper. What a great uh, what a great guy. What a great... If you're looking to get out, whether rent or buy, just super, super nice people, family-owned, and just good people who take care of you. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones. And uh, joining us is Rebecca Farrell. Good morning, Rebecca. Hey, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. And, of course, you're with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And we're going to talk about bears. And, you know, I'll preface a little bit, a couple things that people need to be aware of. Right, First of all, Colorado is blessed to have a very robust bear population, and they're a natural animal here, and we uh, have a very healthy population. Uh, We've also seen development further and further into people want to live in the mountains and the woods and out by lakes. But even without that, this time of the year, there's a couple times a year when bears are really hungry, and people just have to be aware, don't they? Absolutely. And as you mentioned, you know, we have a really healthy and robust bear population in Colorado. And it's amazing um, to know that we have such an abundance of wildlife that we can kind of see and and be among and and hopefully never really have the chance to interact with. But we do want to make sure that people are educated, are aware of the things that they can do um, in order to minimize the the chance for that kind of interaction to happen. Well, and the first thing, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about personal interaction on the trail and things like that, too. But the first thing we want to do and what usually ends up causing the most issues with bears are around homes. It's absolutely true. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who think ahead when it comes to camping or, or hiking, um, and they kind of buy the right products, canisters and bear sprays and things like that. But, you know, trash is one of the biggest problems that we have um, when it comes to human-bear interactions. And that is something that you definitely need to take care of and be cognizant of at home as well as when you're out and about. Well, anywhere 
any anywhere where you might see a bear. And don't think you have to live up in the mountains because we get bears in Fort Collins over by the college, and we get bears in the middle of Boulder. Now, they may be a rarity, and, and maybe you, you don't have to go overboard if you're living in the middle of a town, but they can come in pretty far, especially when they're in that mode where they need a lot of calories and food. And their sense of smell is just uncanny, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, we always think about, you know, we see dogs sniffing for things at the airport or, you know, the, the stereotypical detective story has a bloodhound. But a bear has an, a magnitude of hundreds of times better sense tracking than that sort of dog would. So if they can smell something that they think is food, um, whether it's trash, whether it's, uh, you know, things that you might keep by open windows in your home, if they think it's food, they're going to come and try and get it. Because if you had just slept for two months, you'd be awful hungry as well. So they are on the move. They are pretty much walking stomachs, as we like to say at this time of year. Tell people the kind of calories they need to consume both spring and fall when their hungry times are. I mean, gosh, you think about a, a big meal that you might have at a at a restaurant. They're looking at something, you know, seven, eight times that every day in order just to kind of keep their weight up. Again, remember that when they're coming out of hibernation, everything revolves around kind of getting calories and getting themselves kind of back into fat and happy shape after they haven't eaten for a while. Um, but all summer long, they're on the move. And so, you know, as you're moving around and you think about you're active during the day and, you know, you want a, a big cheeseburger when you're done with a long hike, they're doing that every single day. And so they need tens of thousands of calories to keep themselves in good shape. Well, let's talk about some of the most common things. Now, everybody thinks and knows garbage. And first of all, bears are omnivorous. They'll eat almost anything. They're crazy. They like sweet. They like they like just about anything. Um, but what are some of the other things? I know bird feeders can be a real issue. Bird feeders are a huge thing. So, you know, we certainly, of course, are, are bird watchers ourselves at CPW. We want to encourage people to be interested in birding. But this time of year, bird feeders aren't really necessary for most of your songbirds and birds that you'd have out and about in your neighborhood. So we ask people to take down bird feeders this time of year because one pound of bird seed has about 1,400 calories. Um, it's crazy the amount of calories they can get from bird seeds. So, you know, we ask people to not have bird feeders out this time of year. Um, if you are going to have bird feeders out, we mentioned um, on our call the other day that, you know, a lot of people like to watch hummingbirds, for example. And so you might not think of, you know, the sugar water that you put out for hummingbirds being that big of a deal. But again, that's quick calories. And so if you have to have that out, you want to kind of watch and enjoy the birds during the day, bring those inside during the nighttime. You're not out watching birds. They don't need to be out there. And it just gives it a little bit less of an opportunity for a bear. Now, another thing at homes that really can be are like barbecue grills. Absolutely. Yeah. We ask people to really clean those grates really, really well. Um, if you've dropped something into the, you know, the bottom of your grill, fish it out. You know, you, a lot of people will tend to think, oh, it'll burn up next time I start the grill. Um, but, you know, again, if it smells any kind of attractant that smells like food to a bear, it's just going to give them another opportunity to kind of come in and, and see what's going on in your neighborhood where they don't necessarily need to be. So we ask people to really scrape those grates really well. If something does drop into the bowl of your grill, fish it out before you're done for the night. And of course, one that I think people don't understand and really can be a problem is dog food. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm a dog lover. I have two of my own, and I know a lot of people like to have outside dogs. Maybe if you've got dogs that you use more for hunting and things, you kind of want to keep them outside a little bit more. Um, that's okay, but certainly don't leave the dog food outside. Um, you know, a 40-pound bag of dog food, oh my goodness, that's like a free cheesecake buffet would be for me. They would want to eat that. They would come back for that over and over and over again. So if you are going to kind of keep your dogs outside, that's okay. Make sure they're in a good, safe enclosure, certainly, but definitely don't keep the dog food outside.
you know, one of the things that you and I discussed when we were talking a few days ago was that um, we're seeing this uh, trend of Airbnb where people are um, usually they're renting uh, people's homes for like using it for a bed and breakfast or renting their people's homes while they're gone. And a lot of times those take place in areas that are by mountains and forests and things because that's what they're looking for. It may be a developed area, but but then the people who live there on a regular basis may be very bare aware, but you could get strangers coming in that wouldn't know how to take care and those could create a problem. Absolutely. You know, you and I kind of talked and you mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, maybe downtown Denver isn't something that you're necessarily going to be thinking too hard about being bear aware. But, you know, we have tons of new people who come into the state and we also have different forms of recreation and travel. Um, And so if you are going to be leaving the Denver area, be aware of the surroundings that you're going into. And that's true whether you're camping or doing something like renting an Airbnb. And so if you are in a neighborhood that you're unfamiliar with, take a look around. Um, If you have a newfangled trash can to you, it's a bear-proof trash container. You're not totally sure how to use it. Ask somebody. Um, if they don't provide directions there, you know, ask a neighbor, ask somebody um, in the area because they're there for a reason. If there are bear-proof trash containers at your rental, if there are bear-proof dumpsters in the area where you're staying, they're there for a reason. And so you want to make sure that you are doing everything you can to use those things and kind of follow the rules of the road when you're in bear country. I, we're only going to have about two, three minutes left, and I want to touch on a couple things real quick. I want to get to some little bit of camping and being on the trail. But before we get to that, um, a bear comes, say you're living somewhere, and a bear, you do notice there's a bear that has been in the area. It's maybe been in your yard, but at least it's been around. Go take us through the proper course of action. Sure. So if you maybe see some scratches on a, on a dumpster or something like that um, that indicate there's been a bear in the area, definitely let CPW know early. Um, You know, we want to make sure that we have the best opportunity to kind of retrain and reframe the direction for that bear. So, um, you know, if it's in a spot where it doesn't belong or it seems to be trying to get into places it shouldn't be, let us know. Make us aware of that because we are much more um, interested in kind of intervening early in the process where we would have the opportunity to kind of haze that bear into a different area, relocate it if necessary. Um, But we don't want to have, you know, not only human bear interactions, but we don't want a bear that could have been, you know, a nuisance for a couple of days, becoming something that becomes a danger um, after a couple of weeks. So we do ask that people give us a call sooner rather than later. Early intervention is much better for not only the humans involved, but the bears as well. No, you're absolutely right. But if I all of a sudden there's a bear in my yard, what do I do? I mean, do I yell at it? Do I throw things? Do I, I mean, I, obviously I call you guys, but what can I do and what, what kind of precaution should I take? Yeah, you're going to want to haze that bear. Um, The ideal situation is that that bear is going to understand that there are people in the area that it doesn't want to deal with, and it will go on its own. So bang some pots and pans together. Um, You know, make noise. Play radio when you're outside. Um, You know, just a lot of the kind of noise that it's not going to hear in the wild, and so it should start to be thinking like, hey, I don't want to be there. That's where the people are. Um, So lots of noise, making sure that they're aware that there are people there and that they generally do have a pretty good, healthy fear of us. And so, um, you know, if they're not super conditioned to trying to find food in our backyards, which they shouldn't be, um, then, you know, we have the opportunity to kind of just haze them and make them aware this is in a spot where they're welcome. Now, I wanted to cut touch on a couple things real quick. One is um, whether you're all camping or home or wherever you are, leaving food in your car can be a huge mistake. 
Absolutely. You know, we, we talk a lot about trash because that's a big one, but really any kind of scented attractant is a bad idea when you're trying to keep, you know, bears away from your property. And so that's true whether you're at home and, you know, you've had a big dinner and there's a window right over your sink and you think you're going to let the dishes wait until the morning. Or if you are out camping and decide, oh, you know, I'm just going to throw stuff in the cooler and, and throw it in the back seat. Don't, don't leave an opportunity for a bear to get quick and easy access. Um, anything that smells like an attractant, um, you know, you and I talked about if you are, you know, camp cooking and you go to bed in the sweatshirt that you used to cook, you still smell like food. And so you don't want to smell like a snack to a bear when you're out in a tent in bear country. Yeah. One of the things, too, about a car is bears have become very smart about getting into cars, but they're not too good at getting out. <laughs> this is true. And, you know, again, um, whether you're out camping or maybe whether you're staying somewhere and you're just not kind of thinking about the things that you would think about, you know, like I live here in Lakewood, I might not think about the fact that I've got a chapstick in my car or a, a you know, potato chip wrapper from a long commute. Those things, when you leave them out in bear country, bears, not only can they smell it, but if they see a cooler um, they see something, they're getting used to what is in that cooler. They're they're getting trained to the fact that coolers equals food. So you want to make sure that you're very careful um, about what you leave in your car. Because, again, anything that's an attractant, my cherry chapstick smells like a delicious produce piece to a bear. So you want to make sure that anything that kind of has that smell is out of your car. Now, the last thing, and that's if you're out on a trail and you see a bear in the woods, Black bears by nature are very timid until they start becoming conditioned to people and people providing food. So if if most of the time, if you watch from a distance, make some noise, they'll just leave and you're fine. But what happens if that bear starts coming towards me? It could be the start of a bad incident. What should I do? You could, it could, you know, and again, you're right. Um, for the most part, if a bear hears you coming, it's going to go the other way. It's not super interested in us nine times out of ten. Um, if you do encounter a bear on the trail and it doesn't kind of make its way on its own, um, similar to if you see something in your backyard, you're going to want to make some noise. You're going to want to tell it, you know, I'm here, bear. You're going to want to talk to it in a kind of a calm but authoritative voice, which will be hard, but you'll, you'll want to kind of let it know, I'm not prey. I'm here. Make yourself big. Raise your hands up over your head. Um, you know, wave them a little bit and kind of give them the, the sense that you are definitely not prey. You're more of a predator and give them the opportunity to kind of leave on their own. Um, if they don't, you know, if you have bear spray, you know, once they get to about 40 feet, that's the time to deploy bear spray. Um, if you do carry it, make sure you know how to use it um, and, you know, make sure that you're not standing downwind, so that you don't get as much of the spray as the bear. Um, but, you know, generally, again, if you kind of give the indication that I'm here, I'm not something that you want to deal with, with a calm voice and, you know, a, a big movement, uh, they will kind of leave on their own. All right. We are way out of time. But, uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Great information. No problem. Thanks, Terry. All right. You bet. Rebecca from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And by the way, they're located right off 88th and, it says 88th in Washington, but they're 88th and Pearl. You know, just take 84th Avenue, go east to Pearl, go north, five-acre campus you run in. Great people, always something going on there in the summer. If you're looking, I don't even know if they have an event today, but I bet you if you drive by, they do. That's just what goes on at their place all the time. Hey, speaking of events and things going on, uh, next week uh, we will be broadcasting live 
from the Ace uh, Hardware Store at uh, Cherry Creek Ace Hardware Store, which is at uh, 1417 South Holly. That's the Cherry Creek Ace Hardware. It's the Grill Your Ace Off event. We attend that pretty often. It's always fun. They have all the grills. They have food. They have people out there cooking. And it's just a good time. So come by and see us. We love it when we're on remote. And people stop by and say hi, and we get to meet and interact with people. I always hang around for a little bit after the show so because I can talk a little bit during breaks, but then I'll hang around and talk to people, and we can talk some fishing, hunting, camping, whatever you want, but or talk grills. I love grilling, so I'll be interested in seeing all the stuff at the Ace and Cherry Creek myself with all the grills and gadgets and stuff. I really like that. Plus, there's going to be food. And we had a couple remotes over the last three weeks, too. I want to thank all the people that did come out and say hi to us. We were over at Adventure Camper, and we were at Pioneer Landscaping. So really appreciated everybody stopping by. It was so great to meet all of you. It's fun to get some feedback and uh, just talk and, and, you know, let interact. And you know what? It lets me. You can say, hey, would you ever cover this on the show? Can you talk about this? Or I heard this. I wish you did more of it. And a great way to do that, too, is also our um, our Facebook page uh, that— um, you know, the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, is kind of the focal point of this show. Now, if you were following us on Facebook, you'll know when we're going to be at a, an event like one of these uh, remotes. And a few days before, Karen goes to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and she posts, we're going to be there, come on by, what hours will be there, those types of things. And it helps you keep track of where we're going to be. Or like last week, um, I was on assignment in Minnesota Fishing. And Ronnie Castiglione did the show. Well, you could know. You know, maybe you're a fan of Ronnie's. He does a regular segment, calls in every couple of weeks, and you wanted to uh, just listen to Ronnie's take on a whole bunch of fishing, different fishing things. You knew, you would have known that Ronnie was filling in last week, was going to be in studio, and uh, you could have followed that. Or if we're having a trivia, a lot of times our trivia contests, we uh, we post on the Facebook page. We pay, we post answers. We don't actually always say they're an answer. Karen will put in something like, this is a tidbit from 20 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors radio trivia. And we'll go through and we'll name something that's happened on the show over the 20 years we've been on the air. And more often than not, when she does that, that ends up being a, a a trivia question on the following week or the next Saturday or maybe a Saturday after that for a pretty substantial prize. It could range from, oh, I'd say 50 to 100 bucks typically is the kind of prizes we give out. So you might want to follow for that. But a couple other reasons to follow the, um, follow the Facebook page. Like I wrote uh, an article for the Denver Post uh, last weekend. It was, went in, I believe, on Wednesday, and it was on uh, picking out the best soft baits. And we had uh, John Prochno from Berkeley come on and talk about power bait versus gulp versus the new Maxent bait and why you would use one in different situations, how to pick out the right soft bait, what shapes to use, you know, because it's overwhelming what you can find in a store. I mean, there's just thousands and thousands of shapes and sizes, colors and scents. We kind of went through from Berkeley's perspective why they use the different ones and where you apply them. And then attached to that, if you go to it online, is a about a 10-minute podcast with John explaining it in person. 
That's on our Facebook page right now. That's posted. Anytime we do, every article I write for the Denver Post gets posted on our Facebook page almost immediately after it goes up. So instead of going to the Denver Post to get the article, which is just fine, it shows up in both the app, it's in the paper most of the time, and it's on their online version. But if you're going to read it online, the one we post to is always the most complete because sometimes the app won't carry through a link to something we put in there where the online one that we link to on Facebook always does. So you'll always get the best version of the article if you click to it from our Facebook page, Terry Wicks from Outdoors. In addition, every time we put up another television show on our YouTube channel, Karen posts that on the Facebook page and you'll and, and you can go right to it or see if it's something that might be interesting to you without having to go look through our channel because there's about 100 episodes of our shows on the channel right now. So um, those, are, those are some things you want to look for on the, uh, on the Facebook page. And then we've, if I get out into the field and I think it's something worth posting or we have some success, I will... I will, I will post it, or my partner Greg Claggio or some of the other people involved with our organization will post some fishing results. Like if I'm out here locally, have some success, I'll put a little something on it to direct you to it. Or if I'm on a trip somewhere, like I was in Minnesota last week, we'll kind of show you what we used and why we were fishing there and talk to you about that area in case it's someplace you might want to go to. And we'll usually talk about a few techniques uh, that we use during the course of that trip too, and of course we use it to brag a little bit. We always like to, uh, we always like to, you know, let people know what we were doing and have a little fun with it. So, so follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. It's great for all of us. It really keeps the, it becomes the the uh, central point for everything that's going on with both my column and this radio show. And we got a full hour yet coming up. Now, you remember we're on 10 to noon now. We'll go back 9 to 11 when Broncos training camp starts. But we've still got Nate Zielinski going to join us, and we're going to talk uh, some fishing updates, and he has a bass tournament going on in Pueblo. We're going to talk about a new outdoor area. It's not a new outdoor area, but it's new to me and something you may want to take advantage of with some camps for kids and things like that. And we're going to get a... Um, an update on the Arkansas River from uh, Greg Felt at Arc Angler. So we got a lot coming up on Terry Wickstrom uh, Outdoors here on The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on The Fan is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.